iHeart community is very happy to have in person our Lieutenant Governor Susan Weisowitz. It's nice to see you. Nice to see you in person across (laughs) the microphones. Very cool. I know. And I I really appreciate everything that uh, we did together and that you, of course, did over the pandemic. It was nice to to have you on the air, see you in person sometimes at distributions and at fundraising events and things. So, yeah, it's great to, to have you back in here now. And we're both vaccinated fully, not wearing masks. It's just awesome celebrating a beautiful summer day and Connecticut's comeback. Absolutely. Now, let's talk a little bit about Connecticut. There's so There are so many headlines that we could pull from. Um, and as you know, on my program, I always try to keep things positive and try to talk about all the good things because you can get any headline you want online and in your palm, but talk about some of the positive things that you have personally been a part of, especially with the end of the session and the budget. Exactly. So today, the governor and I were celebrating the end of a really transformative legislative session and also uh, a transformative state budget that had huge bipartisan support. We have 36 members in our state Senate, 31 of them voted in favor of the budget and the numbers were similar in the state uh, house. So to have that bipartisan support was really huge and to celebrate some of the major investments in child care, in fighting climate change in education, things like uh, expanding early childhood education, free community college, um, and also uh, access to health care, 40,000 families who now have the ability to get health insurance from Access Health Connecticut. So uh, all kinds of good things to celebrate since the budget got passed by both houses of the General Assembly. And and something to know, everyone, we were talking about this through the entire pandemic, they were convinced that taxes and things are going to be out of control with this budget. What can you confidently say now? So that is another really positive thing. And the reason why we had such strong bipartisan support, because while we were making some transformational investments in healthcare and education, and in giving tax cuts to working families, we did not raise taxes. Um, And we were very fiscally responsible, and we've put into place a path to keep us out of some of the huge financial issues that we've we've had in the past. And um, we have to say thank you to our federal delegation for infusing $7 billion into Connecticut to support education, to support municipalities so that hopefully property taxes uh, stay steady. But this is a budget that doesn't raise taxes, and that's why it had support from both Republicans and Democrats. All right. And let's talk about the vaccinations, the rates. I know it has dipped not only here in Connecticut, but nationally it has. Um, And we were thinking that maybe um, we would reach that goal. What President Biden had sent for the the entire population to be be vaccinated doesn't look like we're going to hit that number. Um, And we're seeing different states offer different plans and, and, you know, incentives to get that that their vaccinations like here in Connecticut with the different restaurants and such. How do we look? So Connecticut continues to be one of the best vaccinated states in the country. Um, Over 2.2 million people have had at least one dose. 
uh, but we're we're not done. If if all those folks get their second dose, that'll be a huge percentage of our population. And our focus is continuing on children, those um, children that haven't gotten vaccinated. It's really important because um, over the summer they're going to be participating in all kinds of fun recreational and educational programs that are being offered because of our federal ARPA dollars. And we want kids to be ready going into the fall so that we can have a school year that's all in person and and not online. So we are going to continue to fight. And as a matter of fact, part of the ARPA dollars are to support um, vaccination programs or robust vaccination programs. So we're going to continue working with school districts across the state and in priority zip codes around the state, particularly in our most vulnerable uh, communities, because it really takes trusted partners going door to door or meeting people where they are to get them vaccinated. And we're going to continue on that effort. There's a bunch of points I want to follow up with you on. But first, let's stay with uh, school and vaccinations and then also with um, the flu shot and then also with the booster if and when that's going to be ready for COVID. They're thinking by the time fall comes around, the the people that got some of the first vaccinations may need or require a booster. What kind of conversations are you having around that? So we are, our Department of Public Health and our state is already getting ready for that because we have built this incredible infrastructure. We had so many community health centers, hospitals, max vax uh, centers that were um, established to make that happen. And we have that infrastructure and we're going to get ready to roll that out again for boosters because we want people to get those boosters as soon as as soon as they're available, because you need one six months down the road. So this is this is not something that's going to go away, but it's such a good thing. What we want people to do is think of it as getting their annual flu shot, right? It's something that we're going to have to keep focusing on if we want to keep people safe and healthy. Well, if we want to keep everything open, nobody wants to go back to that, right? If we want to still be with our loved ones, at the, I mean, at the very least, want to hug people we love, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And that is so critical because, please, we can't forget the more than 8,000 of our friends, family, and neighbors that passed away from covid Let's keep each other safe. Let's let's get vaccinated. That's the easiest way that well, we can keep our economy open, our schools open, our ability to have friends and family over. And to your point, on a national level, just in America alone, over 600,000 lives lost. I mean, this was just not a flu for those people that, you know what I mean? It, this was serious business. So we don't want to we don't want to go back to that. That's right. And yeah. we don't. And we we want to also address those epidemics within the pandemic, uh, domestic and family violence, um, mental illness, opioid and other addictions that we all saw go up. What about hunger at the end of the day? Let us not forget food security. I mean, exactly. There were so many things that uh, happened. And by the way, uh, I'd bring that all back to the state budget, because one of the great things about the state budget and this legislative session is there were a focus on those things that came up during the pandemic. They've been there, maybe too much in the background, but there's now a focus and now investment in 
helping to address all of those things, particularly mental health. Yeah, def- oh my gosh, that's that's so huge. And you were even a guest on our mental health weekly check-ins uh, that we do here in iHeart Communities. As we know, many people, thank goodness for telehealth and uh, Zooms and, and calls and such, but you know, people who are alone really, or maybe people who have never been affected by any sort of depression or mental health issue, really were affected during this pandemic, and it was all ages. So, they they yeah. were, and we are particularly seeing it amongst kids. Mm. You know, there's been a lot of trauma out there, and kids weren't in school where maybe social workers, teachers um, could recognize and address that. So, um, as a matter of fact, we were hearing on the floor of the General Assembly that there's more than a 30% increase in ER visits, children from uh, just small kids, one to teenage years that are showing up in emergency rooms with mental health issues. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that is something that is addressed yeah. in in our budget and through a variety of pieces of legislation that I think is important to highlight, too. As we move our conversation along with Lieutenant Governor Susan Bice, so it's so great to have her in studio. And I know she's coming up a very busy. I understand. I don't know how you look so good right now, but I understand you were up till 2 a.m. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's been like a really busy <laughs> three weeks because oh for goodness. the past three yeah. weeks, we've had sessions that have gone routinely five in the morning, three in the morning. So oh goodness. I am really looking forward to uh, a weekend where I have the opportunity to get some rest. Maybe get some shut-eye by nine or so. But indeed, <laughs> indeed. I just have a couple of points left. I want to talk to you about the issue of now hiring in our state. There are so many businesses that are hiring, businesses that never were in a position that they were begging people. How are you sort of addressing this? Because it seems like, you know, we're hearing about people that are unemployed. Um, I know there's circumstances, and I don't want to mainstream it or stereotype anything, but businesses need people right now, many businesses. What what are we doing here in the state to maybe address that? Because it's kind of a controversial conversation when you talk to some people about this, you know, people thinking that they're getting more money on unemployment or people thinking that people are being, you know, not wanting to go back now or maybe even childcare is an issue. So there's all sort of touch points and trigger points. Yeah, a big issue which is addressed in the budget um, is access to childcare. We had a she session why did so many women drop out of the workforce? A historic number. Um, Women were the biggest group of unemployed people. 55% of unemployed people were women. Why was that? They were taking care of family members that had COVID or they had to be home to supervise their kids' online education or because they worked in pink collar jobs that were struggling, hospitality, retail, social services, food service restaurants, right? A lot of people lost their jobs because those businesses weren't open and those were women who had those jobs. So how have we addressed it? We've addressed it with um, the biggest increase for free childcare or reduced price childcare because we need to build back up the 50,000 childcare spots that we lost during the pandemic, because by the way, women-owned businesses that had childcare in their homes had to go out of business because all of their clients stayed home with their kids. I mean, this is just, you know, it was just, people don't realize how 
childcare is the infrastructure to reopen our economy. So the governor and I have had a huge focus on that. We're going to continue to focus on that. And also the governor's council on workforce development is how can we connect people who need work with the thousands of positions that are out there in healthcare, in restaurant, in hospitality, in manuf- advanced manufacturing, how do we get people trained up to fit those positions? Because right now we have a skills mix match. So between the worker training and the child care, I think those are the two biggest things to get people back to work. Absolutely. And to get more information about this, we do have a special now hiring feature at mycommunityaccess.com. It links up to the states. Uh, you know, you've got a comprehensive uh, a link that shows jobs from all points and all levels of skill, whether you've, you know, even even jobs that don't require a GED. I mean, there, so there's there's all levels and all ways people can make a living right now. Um, but as you said, there's a lot that goes into it. There's a lot behind that. So we're going to continue to follow that with you. And then lastly, I have to ask you about this because it's making headlines. Um, but legalizing marijuana in our state. It's a it's, it's a tough one because I feel conflicted over it myself. And the only reason why I feel conflicted over it is because I do so much work with MAD and, and people driving while intoxicated. So I don't know if I'm against, I'm not against it per, for recreation or whatever. None of my business, my worry is that it'll translate into the issue that we're having with people who drive under the influence of, you know, alcohol. Right, and, and look, that is uh, certainly a concern. Um, it looks like in the special session, because our state Senate passed a cannabis bill, legalization bill with bipartisan yep. support, um, and the House was supposed to take it up, but in the last you know day or two of the session, they got distracted and they didn't. And there was going to be a special session that will deal with budget implementers, which is something that usually happens, and they're going to take up cannabis. And here's um, what I, uh, how I look at it. Um, It's like prohibition, right? When we had prohibition, it didn't mean that people gave up alcohol, right? Um, We have people using marijuana. Um, Our black and brown communities have been hugely and unjustly affected because um, people in those communities were the ones that went to into the correction system because of it. Um, many fewer white people did. So it's an issue of uh, justice and equity. Um, and it's also just a recognition that all the states around us either have gone or are moving in that direction. And I can't tell you, you can just get out onto 91, your, your studios just off of 91, go less than a mile and see the billboards advertising cannabis in Massachusetts. So the reality is people in Connecticut are either buying marijuana on the black market or they're going to Massachusetts and paying a sales tax on it. And it just seems to me that um, we need to do what the people of Connecticut want, which is to legalize it in an overwhelming way. Um, But to do it in a smart way where we regulate the content and we've been very successful at regulating medical marijuana so we haven't had issues over that and i think we can take that regulatory scheme and protect people um, and protect what 
um, they are buying here in Connecticut. Yeah, and I definitely want to go on record as saying that I, 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 I do as a whole agree with it. I just get concerned with another new substance and another new, you know, another new PSA to, to make sure we're not dri- driving while intoxicated under any influence whatsoever. That's right. That's yeah. right. And there's going to have to be a lot of education because people may not realize that, you know, it is dangerous to be smoking marijuana, having alcohol and then driving. Yeah. Um, and I will say there were some powerful statements on the floor of the state Senate from people like Christine Cohen, who had a alcohol addiction issues in her family. And that was the reason for her opposition. So mm-hmm. reasonable people uh, can differ. But this does look to me like an issue that has bipartisan support in the legislature and will probably happen in the next couple of weeks. Well, I'm going to look forward to your next visit in studio now that we are sort of free and then we've had to plan some events. You've been really wonderful supporting all of the our initiatives here. And uh, I appreciate that. So you can go to mycommunityaccess.com to uh, listen to this interview again. Uh, Questions, comments, concerns, feel free to email Renee3 at iheartmedia.com. But Lieutenant Governor Susan Bicewitz has been just amazing through this pandemic you have been thanks for having me it's been a lot of fun and it's been a really important way to get out information to people about state programs things we're doing to try to help the people of our state so we really appreciate it well you're not getting rid of me and i'm not getting rid of you because you're coming back in very soon absolutely not thank you so much all right have a great day thank you